Today we want to talk a little bit about hospitality. Um, and so we are going to uh, be looking at a passage in 3 John. Uh, in our current culture, hospitality is uh, one of those things that I don't think we really know, mean, know what it means. Uh, it's like uh, the Princess Bride, that word you keep using, I do not think it means what it, you think it means. Uh, hospitality in our culture is we bring in someone in, we feed them, and, and we send them on their way. But hospitality and uh, the Bible is something a little bit different. So we want to kind of look at what that means uh, and see how we can be better uh, at being hospitable. And so Third John is where we're going to be at. Uh, and I encourage you to, to turn there. It is the second to last book in the Bible. Uh, so it should be relatively easy to find. Uh, and especially since Jude is only one chapter long, uh, it should even be easier. Uh, as you're turning there, uh, we want to look at a couple of things. Uh, basically, uh, in my Bible, I have 2 John right here and 3 John right here. And so hopefully that's how it is in yours. Otherwise, you're going to have to flip back and forth as we try to compare uh, these two letters. Uh, if you look at the two letters, you'll see that they are uh, have a lot of things in common. The first thing that they have in common is uh, they are both written by the elder. Uh, we talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, John is either referring to himself as an old man uh, or he is referring uh, to a position in the church that he holds, one of the two. All right, and so that is uh, one of the things. Another thing we see is uh, near the end, he writes pretty much the same type of thing. He says, I wished to talk to you more about this, but I want to do it in person and not use uh, pen and paper. All right, and so John uh, recognizes something that maybe we should recognize in our own lives. You know, we send emails, we send letters, uh, we send text messages, and sometimes uh, the tone in which we send those is not re readily heard, and there's a lot of miscommunication. All right, and so John understands that, and so he knows that he wants to tell them more about his subject that he's talking to them about, but he wants to do it in person because that is the best form of communication for John. All right, and so that's, that's one of the things that we see. Uh, another thing is if you're looking at them side by side, you may notice uh, that they are pretty much the same length, right? All right they're pretty close. There, there's a little bit more verses, but that's just how we break up verses uh, based on sentences. But uh, they are pretty close to being the exact same. And we ask the question, why? Why are they so similar in this aspect? Well, uh, much like we do today, there was a standardization for the papyri that they used. All right, so our pieces of papers, they're how big? Eight and a half by? Perfect. All right, if you open up your bulletin, you'll see that it's eight and a half by 11 if you stretch it out. All right, that's the standardization that we've done in our culture. Uh, there's other sizes, but those, that's the main one we use. And in the ancient world, they standardized their papyri. Uh, they were 8 inches by 10 inches, so pretty much close to what our piece of paper is. And if you take these letters and you write it in the Greek, you will find that it is fairly close to, eight, uh, by, to a single piece of papyri. And so probably what has happened is John has this piece of papyri, he writes his letter, and he's run out of room, and so he sends the letter on a one-page document rather than uh, adding more pages to it. Uh, and so that's probably what's happened. That's why they are very similar. Uh, you'll see other characteristics that are the same. Uh, John will talk about truth and love in both of them, and that's just because John writes about truth and love, and we talked a lot about that uh, last week, so we're not really going to discuss it this week. 
Uh, today we want to uh, do Third John. We're in this series, One Hit Wonders, uh, looking at the books in the Bible that are only one chapter long. This is the fourth of those books, and this is how it starts in verse one: "The elder to the dear to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth." There you see truth and love again, right? All right, so this is the standard greeting that we've talked about the last few weeks, uh, starting with who is writing it, the elder, uh, that is John, uh, and then he is writing to a guy by the name of Gaius. And it's really hard to determine who this person is because Gaius was the most popular name in the Roman period. All right, uh, we uh, have these cool websites I like to go look at every once in a while, especially uh, when we have a new child to see how popular the children's name are that we chose for our children. And over the, since 2010, uh, there's been one popular girl's name uh, every year, and that name is, any guesses? Sophia. Cheater. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sophia was, oh, yeah, you're looking at my sermon, aren't you? Oh, I forget about that. You are cheating. All right. And uh, in that same period, there's been two guys' names that are fairly common. They are Aiden and Jackson. And fittingly, uh, in our church, we have a Sophia and a Jackson. We do not have an Aiden yet. So, uh, <coughs> what's that? So, uh, it's really, uh, really cool to see uh, where your children lie. Uh, some of my children are not in the top 100, and some are near the bottom of the top 100, and like Hannah's near the top of the top 100. Uh, for her age. And so uh, this is kind of what we have to understand is Gaius uh, was a very popular name. Uh, in fact, uh, for the most part, they only gave one name out at birth. You know, we give like uh, a middle name, we give a last name, we may even give a suffix if you're a junior like I am. All right. And then that we're able to tell people by what their names are. Oh, yeah, Tony Maxwell. You, we know who Tony Maxwell is uh, in Mexico, hopefully. Hopefully there's not another Tony Maxwell, right? All right. And, and in their culture, they didn't do that. You know, they had, you had, if you wanted to classify yourself, you had to say, I am Tony, son of Tony, all right? Or Tony from Greenfield, or, and you, or Tony the preacher, Right, you had to tell you who you were, where you're from, who your father was, what city you're from, and that's how you were able to tell your name. Unless, of course, you were famous and you just had lots of names uh, like some of the Caesars had. All right, and so uh, this guy is we're not given any of that clarification. So we don't know who this is. We don't know who John's writing to. But we do know some things from this letter about Gaius. Gaius was a good guy. All right, Gaius was... Uh, a very nice guy. He, he probably was a leader of the church. He probably was well-respected in his community. And as we see what John writes about him, we see that overall he is a, a Christian that has a heart for people. All right, so this is what John says. After the greeting, he gives what's a traditional thing to do, which is a blessing. And here's the blessing in two, verses 2 through 4. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. And I have no greater joy to, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So this is a blessing, and the blessing that John gives to Gaius kind of shows that John has been around Jesus. Right? John blesses Gaius. He says, I hope that just as you are strong in your faith, you will be strong physically. 
And when we look at the ministry of Jesus, we see that uh, Jesus's ministry wasn't solely focused on the souls of men. All right? Jesus's ministry was also focused on the body of people as well. That's why we see all the healings. He cares for their physical needs just as much as he cares for their spiritual needs. And here John is showing that he cares for guys, his physical needs, just as much as he cares for his spiritual side of things. And this is uh, something that, that should impact us. All right? This is something that uh, should encourage us uh, to... Um, trying to think about what I'm saying here because my, my notes are wrong here. <laughs> uh, this is something that uh, should be uh, uh, helping us uh, when we're looking at people, not just caring about what they are or spiritually going on, but also what they're doing physically as well. Uh, we need to care for people whose bodies are broken. You know, we have a lot of that in our, our even our congregation. Uh, we have people like Chuck's brother. We have Ken. Uh, we have uh, uh, your sister uh, that's also having a lot of issues. And we need to care for them. And, and part of what uh, that entails is doing things for them. You know, I, I've been proud of Jacob. I'm going to use you, Jacob, right? Proud of Jacob because he's like, you know what, Ken? You are sick. I'm going to mow for you. All right? And so he's going out and he's doing something for him because he physically is not able to do that. All right? And that is something that as Christians we need uh, to be doing more of caring for the physical side of people as much as we care for the spiritual side. And I think when we care for their physical side, the things that they're going through, whether it's abuse, whether it's, it's sickness, health issues, uh, then they see how much uh, we care for who they are as a person spiritually as well. And so we need to be doing that. And here John shows that he cares for Gaius's physical side as well as his spiritual side. All right, and then we see from here that, that Gaius is a really great character. All right? People have been traveling around, and John says, when, after they've come and visited you and they come and visit me, I hear about how awesome you're living your life. All right? and, and his faith that Gaius has is, is so evident to other people uh, that, that other, they're talking about it. And I have a question. How often do people talk about your faith? You know, the people that come and visit you, do they go off to other towns and say, hey, you need to know this person? Because look how, look what he's done. Look what he's doing. All right? I think that's the type of Christians we should be. We should be emulating this Gaius, this man uh, who, who is a good man, who's walking in truth, and this gives John great joy. Well, uh, John, after doing the blessing, after doing the greeting, is going to give us the main subject that he wants to talk about. And it starts in verse 5. It says, Dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church uh, about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It, is, it was for the sake of the name that they went out and receiving no help from pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for truth. All right. Uh, and so to understand what John is going to be talking about, we kind of have to, for a moment, understand the leadership structure uh, of the early church. 
Uh, in the early church, there were uh, three main leaders, okay? There were the apostles, all right? These were men uh, that had been with Jesus throughout his ministry. Uh, they were men that had witnessed the resurrection, uh, and they uh, had uh, been chosen by Jesus to be his representative in the church. And in a, a church that was very new, I mean, Acts chapter 2 is the brand start spanking new church, uh, the beginning of Jesus's kingdom on the earth, uh, th you needed these men. Uh, these men were the authority of the church, and, and really their authority extended to the entirety of the church. And so an apostle could go from one church to another, and he could talk to them and tell them what they should be doing, and the church was expected to listen to them. And so that's why we see Paul write letters. You know, he, he is an apostle, and he writes letters to churches that he's been to and he's helped plant it. And he's also writes letters to churches that he's never been to, like Rome and Colossae. And when he writes to them, he expects that they're going to listen to him. All right, so when we talk about the leadership of the early church, you had the apostles, and they were head over all the churches. The churches were expected to listen to them, no matter who they were. Uh, then you had uh, the elders. Right, and these were uh, uh, local leaders of the individual churches. Uh, they were men that were raised up and that were uh, asked to lead the church. And then there was usually a group of them. Uh, and they basically had authority only over their church. So if one elder went from uh, one town to the other, while they were respected because of their position, they didn't necessarily have the authority to talk to that church and tell them what they should be doing. All right, they kind of just had authority over themselves. So on the one hand, you had the apostles who could go to any church and tell them what to do, uh, and they were expected to do it, so they had authority over all the churches. And then on the other hand, you had these uh, localized leaders, the elders, all right, but there was this third group. All right, and this third group is who John is kind of talking about here, hinting at. And these were, uh, if you will, traveling prophets, all right, they were, were preachers that went from town to town, uh, and if we were to equate it today, uh, we would call them probably missionaries, okay? These are people that went out, and, and unlike our missionaries, which typically go to places that do not have churches, their traveling prophets would go to places that didn't have churches and places that did. And as they came to a town, if it had a church, they were expected to be treated with respect, and you would bring them in, and you would show hospitality that John is encouraging guys to do here at the end of this passage. And he would, uh, and you would also listen to them preach. They would go into the church, and they would preach. And they had authority to tell you what you were doing wrong and how to fix it. All right, so they're kind of in this weird spot. They weren't really apostles, all right, but they weren't also elders. But they had the authority to go out and to tell people how to live their lives. And it didn't matter if they were from Rome or if they were from Ephesus. They had that authority. All right. And so uh, what seems to be happening in this particular church is that Gaius is being encouraged to welcome in these traveling prophets. All right. Be hospitable. And really, we see that he's already doing that. And, and John is just encouraging him. Keep doing it. You're doing an awesome job. Continue to be hospitable towards the people. You know, they, they've left everything. You know, they've gone out and they've left behind family and friends. They're not making a living. They're not getting money from pagans. They're not begging. And so when they come to you and you're a Christian, your job is to show them hospitality. What does this mean? Well, in the uh, 
Greek world, hospitality was one of the things that you constantly practiced. See, a stranger that comes into your town uh, in the pagan society was protected by Zeus. And so you did not want to do anything that made the almighty God mad. And so you would do everything in your possibility and your and your ability to bring them into your home and to feed them and to let them sleep in your homes as well. Uh, The Roman world had gotten to the point where they uh, actually created what they called guest friendships. And one family from one side of the Roman Empire would be friends with another family from another side of the empire. And if one of this family was traveling in the region that this family was living in, this family had them come over and they fed them. They gave them a bed and they didn't charge them a penny. And then when this family was over here, this family hosted them and kept them and protected them. And what we see is, is that in that world, inns were very despicable things. In fact, if you were an innkeeper in the Greek world, you were considered no better than a pirate because you held your people ransom and made them pay you money to have, uh, have, you, have them sleep in your home. All right, so this was, this was just kind of how their society worked. And so what John is saying to Gaius is, if the pagans can get it right, then we ought to be able to as well. And so he's saying, be hospitable. That means when people come that are Christians and they come into our town, we offer them a place to sleep. We offer them food. And we do it without charge. And we do it without hesitation. We do it out of kindness and out of love and out of walking in the truth. I mean, this, this is what the hospitality that is in the Bible. It's not having people over for an afternoon and then sending on them on their way. No, it's, it's keeping them with you. Uh, that's what John is encouraging, guys. And then we get to this question of if this is how society works, why is John having to encourage him to be hospitable? Well, There's people that are not being hospitable, and we read about him in verse 9. In verse 9, we read, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. And so we are introduced to his guide, Diotrephes, and he... Uh, seems to be a leader because he's allowed to do some things that that uh, normal people wouldn't have been allowed to do, right? Normal people aren't allowed to kick people out of church. Normal people aren't allowed to say, yes, missionaries can come in. No, missionaries can't, all right? So he has to be a leader, probably even an elder of this church, and he is a strong personality. And here's what the problem is. The problem that Diotrephes has is that he loves to be first, And uh, when we look at this leadership structure with the apostles and the elders and these traveling prophets having authority over the people in the churches, uh, we could see that there was bound to be a power struggle. See, the apostles, they, for the most part, by this time are all dead. Uh, John is the only one probably still living. Uh, And so he is the only one that has that authority to exercise uh, authority over everyone. And so he is writing to this church, and Diotrephes, he's just getting prepared for John to be gone, and so he has power. And so he's kind of not liking these traveling prophets who come in and probably tell his church members that they're living 
bad lives and how to fix it. And so rather than letting them come in and preach, he's saying, no, they are not allowed to be here. And he refuses hospitality to them. And when they come in and someone from the church allows them to sleep with them, Diotrephes kicks them out and says, you're no longer welcomed here. You know, it's just one of those things that, that his type A personality is probably very strong, and there's not a lot of people standing up to him. And so John is writing to Gaius, and he says, Gaius, have encouragement. Be encouraged to show hospitality. Be encouraged to stand up. And I kind of picture Gaius as this man who's a quiet leader, right, who, who, who does what is right, who lives the right life, but yet he isn't the guy that's going to be confronting people. And so he needs this encouragement to stand up to Diotrephes because what he is doing is wrong. Uh, we've finished this, this uh, section, uh, this book, in verse 11. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. And so John, in this closing section, uh, chooses to introduce one last person, Demetrius. And based on where he appears in this letter, it probably is he who John is encouraging Gaius to be hospitable to. He may himself be a traveling prophet. He uh, may even be the one carrying the letter uh, based on where he is. And he has been to this town before, and he knows he's going to need help finding a place to stay. And so John writes this letter for him and, and speaks highly of him and gives it to him to give to Gaius. But I don't want us for a moment to skip over uh, verse 11. It says, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. And, and in the context, we're not necessarily talking about sinning and not sinning. But in the context, what we're talking about is living like Gaius or living like Diotrephes. We can be hospitable or we could not. And what John says is that if you are not hospitable, then you're not a Christian. I mean, very strong words. He says, if you imitate what is evil, you have not seen God. And so we need to be men and women who are hospitable. So how do we do this? I want to close with maybe some ideas on how we can be hospitable. I think we can do better job when our missionaries are here. When our missionaries come to share about what they are doing for the kingdom of God, they've left their family, like the traveling prophets of old. They have gone into a part of the world that we probably haven't been to. And when they come, we should be hospitable. When they come to present, we should show up to their presentation, not leaving after service. Now, we need to be there showing them strong support because they are doing things for God. That is how we can be hospitable. We can invite them into our homes. We can allow them to sleep with us. We can allow them to feed them ourselves, not in a big potluck, but ourselves giving it up. A couple of weeks from now, we are, we're going to be starting to have central students coming. And these are men and women who are training to go into ministry. And I would encourage us as a church to be hospitable to them, 
And when they come in, we should be fighting with each other over who gets to take them out to lunch and who maybe we even open up our homes to them and give them a place to rest from their studies. That is what it would be to be hospitable. And we, we have singing groups come every once in a while. And I think as a church, we should be hospitable to those men who are going out and singing and sharing the praises of God with, the, with the God's people. And we should be showing them the same love back to them. I think as a church, we can do better at being hospitable towards guests. Yes, we are very good at being friendly and very good at greeting people and very good at saying, we're glad you're here. But when church is over, what do we do? We go our own ways. I think as a church, we can do a better job of showing hospitality towards the guests that are coming in. We can take them out to lunch. We can take them uh, and show them the town if they're new to town. I'm not saying we have to open our doors to them because we don't know them, right? And I don't want you to to be fearful of that, but you can take them to Porky's. You can take them to McDonald's. I mean, that is easy. That, I think, is what it means to be hospitable. And as Christians, as a church, I want us to do a better job of this because I want people to come to our church and see the type of faith that we have and the type of hospitality we show. And as they go out to the other churches that they are, are, are trying to teach to and trying to share with, they can say, you know what? Kentucky Road is an awesome church. That's what we should be doing. Will you join me in that? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we uh, pray in our lives that we uh, will find hospitality, uh, a thing not that is begrudgingly done, but rather a thing that, that we willingly do, that we strive to, to do better than, than our other Christians, that we, we fight over the right to, to feed and to house and to provide a resting place. God, you are an awesome God, and, and we see that even in the early church there were struggles uh, to, to be hospitable, to, to brothers and sisters who come into the church. And Lord, I pray that in our lives we can examine ourselves and see, are we truly being hospitable? Are we truly uh, doing the things that you've encouraged us to do? And I pray that we'll be reminded of that verse. Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Let us imitate Gaius and his hospitality and not Diotrephes. Let us be those type of Christians.